I got that on now. It's okay. One of us is going to fuck up in this. Yeah. It, like, immediately. <laughs> and then we can just say it. Thank you very much. It's great to be here tonight. You're pathetic. You're all pathetic. Sorry, that's just how the uh, monkeys say hello. Say hello. Hi, I'm Kate. Hi, I'm Tara. And we're here to learn about politics and get a little tipsy. Hell yeah. (laughs) Um, This week on Undecided, we talked to Jennifer Keysmat, mayoral candidate for the city of Toronto, Mm -hmm. about uh, youth issues, essentially. Kate digs in with Jennifer from everything, digs into it, gets into it. Yeah, we got into it. From everything to um, the environment, um, housing, just generally like youth, like anxiety about like Mm -hmm. feeling like they want to, like hopelessness, need to leave nihilism. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling like we're going to burn in a fiery death. Yeah. Um, existentialism, no, yeah. but the youth like wanting to leave or needing to leave the city because mm-hmm. they can no longer afford it. Um, it getting youth engaged, um, yeah, all, and, that, all that good stuff. Yeah, we can't wait to share it with you. But mm-hmm. first, um, as always, we run through what the hell is going on. Yeah, we have to figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> so before we get to the interview. Undecided has recently become financially independent, and we need listener support to keep the wheels running. If you like the podcast and you found it useful in the past or currently find it useful, we would so appreciate your support, even if it's just $2 a month. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to make a donation or a pledge, if you'd like to become a patron of Undecided Podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash undecidedpod, where... Uh, you can make a monthly, a small monthly donation mm-hmm. to give us a boost. And watch a super cute, super awkward video. Oh, yeah, of it's us. like the cutest, <laughs> most awkward video. <laughs> Thank you to all the patrons who are helping support the podcast this month Shannon, Duncan, Meredith, Aaron, Taylor. Brett, Susan, Nancy, and David. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you much, Lee. Much. No scurvy for us. No scurvy. <laughs> okay, so I guess the biggest news, um, which is kind of a follow-up to last week, is that the Ford government managed to pass their uh, reduction in the size of city council. Despite, uh, like, a shitload of protests at Queen's Park. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a, a 25. I think it's, it's 25, right? 25 city councillors. 25 city councillors, which means that the wards are significantly bigger, which means that the uh, ratio of representation is a lot bigger, too. Yeah. So instead of having one person representing, like, 70,000 people, mm-hmm. which is pretty generous as it is, now it's one person representing, like, 125,000. Yeah, um, and, like, the point of, like, local like or municipal government mm-hmm. is basically, like, to have that, like, micro-targeted representation. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's, like, all other representation or, like, 
yeah, like like a provincially and federally, mm-hmm. like the regions or the like ridings are yeah. are are larger for sure. um, because it's like for a provincial level or for a federal level but like when you're talking about a municipality mm-hmm. like you want to get tiny right like yeah. for context uh, the city of Ottawa which is has a million people in it yeah, has 23 councillors yeah. i think so so like for a city of toronto the city of toronto which is um Almost four million, maybe over four million. Wait, are you gonna go? Yeah, <laughs> okay. city of <laughs> Toronto. I swear to God, it's close to four million. But then I don't know what like. Where are the boundaries? Yeah, but uh, city of Toronto, it'll it'll oh, oh two fuck. Point. Wait, that's a lie. It says two. But okay, maybe four million is including all the suburbs. But we can cut all this. No, keep it in. This is this, <laughs> this is, is how learning happens. This is how learning happens. This is like what the conversations we're trying to encourage you to have. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you're like talking about an idea, and then you get stuck because neither of you know the answer to the question. <laughs> you cannot pers- you cannot proceed in the conversation. Yeah. You look it up. Oh my god! But you don't have Wi-Fi, and your data is extended. <laughs> oh well, you continued the conversation <laughs> in two. Respects. One respect, if the city of Toronto population is X, yeah. then I think Y. Yeah. And if the city of Toronto population is <laughs> Z, then I think A. Yeah. Okay, well, Those regardless... Those variables, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, regardless sick. of which path you take, Toronto has a significantly bigger population than Ottawa. At least twice. At, at least, least twice. twice. <laughs> and it's represented now by roughly the same amount of cancers, mm-hmm. which is... Um, what's the word for this? Stupid. Uh, stu- uh, insufficient? <laughs> insufficient, yeah, uh, that's probably better. I mean, one thing that uh, should be noted is, uh, I think, uh, you know, part of the reason city council here and uh, in a lot of places is dysfunctional is because, mm-hmm. like, there aren't enough city staff to carry out the, mm-hmm. um, like, the policies, yeah. the, the things, the, the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Um, so... A lot of people were complaining before that we didn't have enough city councillors, and I have no, I don't know, I can't speak to that, mm-hmm. but, like, uh, one thing we should keep in mind is, like, regardless of how many city councillors we have, we still do need more city staff, like... Yeah, um, and, and the like, budget to fulfill their needs. And the budget. Yeah. But Ford won't give that to them because... Inefficiencies! <laughs> Inefficiencies, a.k.a. people. Um, anyway, let's talk about something else that's... Uh, oh yeah, so just done. I guess the the thing that will affect you is like someone that might have been your city councilor last time mm-hmm. um, might not be your city councilor this time. The, yeah. Some of the wards have been eaten by other wards. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and, There's your dose of ASMR, AMSR. I don't know how the fuck it is. Stop! <laughs> Sorry, it's like caressing the microphone <laughs> gently. <laughs> I recently watched that uh, like. What's that Netflix show where they do the, the BuzzFeed Netflix show? Have you seen that? No. Sashi Cool like does a, a she's like a BuzzFeed reporter, can oh. BuzzFeed reporter. She's awesome. Uh, she does like a ASMR journey, like oh, where God. she goes to, like all these facilities that like take you through ASMR like therapy. Oh, um, weird. And it's very odd. Like they film her doing it, and like 
it's different when you're like experiencing it because you're just yeah. sitting and like having it happen. But then you like it's so oh, you watch people watching, do it, wa- like like go in like come like very close to her ear or like brush like candy wrappers beside it like uh, very gently. It's okay. Best. I don't like it. Anyway, okay. Um, from ASMR, we are jumping to uh the Ford Festival. Oh yeah. So this this, weekend. this happened on Saturday, and we're recording on Sunday. Yeah. Um, basically the Ford family dynasty, uh, has like an annual fundraiser. I actually don't even know what they fundraise for. I don't know. Their campaigns. More hair gel. But. More hair gel. <laughs> so anyway, they, they have this family fundraiser in, um, like the matriarch's backyard in Vaughn. Um, actually, like, which has brought out, uh, conservative notables in the past, such as Stephen Harper. Oh, yes. Prime Minister of Canada. Our favorite rock star. Our favorite. Oh, God. <laughs> um, actually... So it's normally held in the matriarch's backyard, but this year it was in Vaughn because they needed more people because normally it's just a family affair and, like, community members and stuff. But this year... Slash slash other, like, famous conservatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, But this year was organized by the, like, official PC party of Ontario. So it was, like, a a real deal political event. When when partisan politics meets Ford Nation. Yeah. Yeah. So a bunch of candidates for the Vaughan municipal elections were in attendance to uh, drum up support, um, which is just, like, bottom feeding off of, like, this weird energy that Ford has around him. Yeah. Um, Instead of running on uh, their own decent policies Mm -hmm. and, like, actual human compassion. Um, It's crazy because, like, the... I was at the... Doug Ford HQ, right? Just like Ford Nation, the people that were there, mm-hmm. it's it mostly it mostly just Ford Nation supporters. Yeah, yeah. And so many of them are like in wheelchairs, um, not because Wait, what? Like they're like a lot of them. Oh, like elderly? Uh, no, either sick or disabled or elderly. Like a lot of them were. Like I was what the fuck? enough enough that I was like, wow. And I think it's really interesting and speaks to. Uh, like you see that in in Trump supporters too. Mm-hmm. It speaks to like, you know, this is a very vulnerable st- segment of the population. Yeah. It speaks to how much his rhetoric, mm-hmm. like, really, like they really gets, gets to them. Yeah, yeah. It's hmm. uh, and it's interesting because, you know, so much of what D- Doug Ford is planning to and already has done is will mm-hmm. affect them. Uh, affect the ne- the vulnerable segments of mm-hmm. our population negatively. So it's I was like I was like very shocked. Yeah. To see that. Um. So that's Ford Fest. Yeah. Uh, um. Mm-hmm. Two tornadoes hit o- the Ottawa region. Um. On Friday, two tornadoes hit the Ottawa region on Friday, and uh, it's kind of it's uh, tor- storms like this are kind of weird because, like they they touch down and they like sw- you know they like really super affect like they really fuck shit up and like they... a very condensed area yeah and then like like a kilometer away everything is fine mm. um but uh like it left 200,000 people without hydro um in Ottawa um many many people's uh, homes and lives have been like completely destroyed Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, they are still as of Sunday September 23rd uh, still working to get hydro on for a lot of people in Ottawa the light the traffic lights on and uh, um, a a sizable chunk of the population are working to uh, figure out what they're going to do now that their entire house is 
Mm -hmm. has been destroyed. Yeah. So actually, if you live in Ottawa and you have extra children's clothes and other stuff that you're trying to get rid of that a family might need, uh, email us at undecidedpod at Mm. gmail.com. We don't know our own email. Um, DM us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, (laughs) um, Because my dad's friend's house was completely destroyed. So if you're looking for someone to donate to, yeah, let us know. We can we can help direct that. Yeah. Um this kind of goes back to Ford Fest a little cuz Doug Ford took some shit because he was ripping it up at a barbecue on Saturday instead of oh, yeah. um going to lend a hand in Ottawa. Um especially in like West Ottawa, like Canada area which was hit pretty hard mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of his support base is in the Ottawa area mm-hmm. so I thought that was kind of interesting but he he did go this morning he went to Dead Robin which I'm sure was very very comforting yes. to the people of yeah. Dead Robin who lost their homes yeah did he throw paper towels though that's what I want to know did he throw paper towels you know when Trump went to visit Puerto Rico he threw paper towels into the crowd like oh my god no I didn't know that that's terrible I mean it's hilarious oh so terrible but it's also so funny oh my god a piece of kind of hopeful news this week was on the 21st um schools across Ontario high schools um and I think a couple middle schools held walkouts so they coordinated together and students walked into class um to protest the rollback of the sex ed curriculum yeah my baby sister Lauren. Shout out to Lauren. Shout out to Lauren. Um, was really vocal about it at her high school, Canterbury. But it was still really heartening to see, and this goes back to um, the the line turn I have drawn, which is that uh, it's not that youth are apolitical or that youth don't give a shit. It's that it's really hard to give a shit when the people who are in power don't talk about stuff that matters to you and don't talk in language that you can really understand or relate to. But this sex ed rollback is like in a direct, a direct assault on students, and they responded. So that's hopeful. I guess like the final piece of news is that um, the Ford government on Friday also came out with a news release about how much more the province is in debt than Kathleen Wynne. Um, I guess let on. Yeah, um, they say it's fifteen billion dollars, um, which is billions more than the wind government said. Um, I don't know about this very much, but I feel like it's going to be a excuse to make more cuts, and that makes me scared. Mm-hmm. Um, considering that there's already been like a series of like gross. Um, like cuts that that like are supposed to like quote save the government of Ontario money. Yeah, actually, do you want to mention the Hamilton thing briefly? Yeah. Um. So last weekend I was in Hamilton for the Super Crawl, and um, I ran into a great organization there, um, called I don't remember what they were called. She's checking. Okay, so it's called Humans of Basic Income, and it's an organization. Uh, um, this one that we, that I, um, 
ran into was obviously based in Hamilton, but they have one in some of the other cities that um, Basic Income was piloted in. Mm -hmm. And um, I was very moved by the, uh, it was a, it was kind of like an an exhibit Mm -hmm. um, of people who had received the basic income holding up signs describing what the basic income allowed them to do. And um, if you'll permit me, I would like to read some of them to you. Please do. So um, the first one I, the first one I have is a, um, a blind woman with her uh, guide dog Uh, And the sign says, basic income means I can pay my guide dog's medical bills. ODSP does not have a drug plan for service animals. $250 a month for meds, never mind vet costs. The option was to give her back, and the school would adopt her out. Uh, BIP has allowed, uh, the basic income program has allowed me to keep her and my independence. So the Doug Ford government took that away. <laughs> um, next is a um, indigenous man who is holding up a sign that says, basic income has helped me achieve my goal at graduating from college. It has helped by going through school with a lot less stress. I'm achieving my goals for success. I'm very thankful and grateful for the basic income project. Next is a family of three. Um, who are holding up a sign and the woman is pregnant. The basic income program helped us move to a better apartment in the safer neighborhood and feel financially secure enough to go back to school to get a better job. The next one I have is a young, a young person uh, holding up a sign saying, basic income gave me the first opportunity in my 29 years of survival to be able to lift myself out of poverty. In all of these scenarios, okay, last one uh, is a woman of color holding up a sign that says, basic income is the income used to qualify me for housing subsidy. It feeds my children with special needs while A, I'm being dragged alone throughout our broken family court system seeking disclosure for child support, getting poorer. I'm waiting for FRO to proactively enforce a previous child supporter from a father who has never paid child support, who is now over $35,000 in arrears. So, um, all of these people, like in all of these scenarios, um, you see examples of people who were given financial help and they didn't, um, you know, use it for drugs. They didn't, they continued to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically all it allowed them to do was feel happier and more secure. Um, so I think it's like a myth that like, th- that conservatives like to peddle, which is the myth that conservatives like to peddle is like, oh, if we give people government money, they're just gonna like blow it on like cars or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but I don't, I, I don't think, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what you think, Kate, but I don't think humans are like that. I, th- I think humans want to be f- like lead fulfilling, li- lead fulfilling lives, mm-hmm. and um, I think these people are like a prime example of that. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> right, so that's the news from this week. Don't let it get you down. 
You have the opportunity to change things in your community by voting in the Ontario municipal elections on the sorry the municipal elections throughout mm-hmm. Ontario mm-hmm. on October twenty second, two thousand and eighteen. Make sure you go vote in your area or areas if you go home to vote you can also vote in your um your hometown uh, if your parents have property there or you have property there and or yeah yeah go vote yeah um we want to say thank you to my friend Zubin, uh, who uh, got us a few minutes to sit down with mayoral candidate Jennifer Kiesmat, um, who was formerly a chief city planner for Toronto for five years, um, two under Mayor Tory, three under Rob Ford. She has a podcast, shout out to a fellow podcaster, mm-hmm. Jennifer Kiesmat, on urban planning that is produced in a very fancy way, not like ours. <laughs> um, and... Um, her policies heavily focus on in- infrastructure as a result because she's a super nerd about city planning. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, yeah, she's been pushing this like uh, crime thing a lot uh, because uh, the, a lot of the research they've done it like shows that just people in Toronto are worried about crime. But if you look at the age demographic breakdown, people in, in Toronto that are concerned about pri- uh, crime are um, over the age of like they're. They're older people mm-hmm. and um, people who uh, that so that's their number one issue. But people who are under the age of thirty, housing is their number one issue. So I'm interested. Um, I, I'll be interested to see how the rest of the campaign goes uh, as she tries to kind of target or she tries to scoop up more support because mm-hmm. um, I feel like where she is most palpable or most like digestible is with young and new voters. Yeah. Um, and Kate touches on that in the interview. Yeah. She was really fun to talk to. We were in, like, this really classy, like, co-working space um, at, like, the top of a very high building on uh, (laughs) Queen? No, Adelaide. And, um, yeah, she's cool. She's a cool lady. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's hear it. Let's roll the interview. Now I have to make sure I don't have anything in my teeth. <laughs> Thank you, good. I'll never forget the first time I went on. Well, it wasn't the first time, but the first time I went on Metro Morning when they were doing the, they had the, like a live podcast thing. Mm-hmm. And um, the great thing about radio, in my mind, is that you don't have to like do your hair in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I went on Metro Morning, and it was really, it was one of the really early ones, like. 6.40 in the morning or something. Oh, yeah. And afterwards, I went back home, and I walked in the door, and Tom met me at the door, and he looked at me, and he said, you know that was on, that you, you know that was, it was video. <laughs> and I was just like, are you kidding me? And I had no makeup on, oh. and I literally had, like, rolled out of bed and gone, <sighs> with my hair, and gone down. <laughs> And he met me at the door and he had this look of panic on his oh, face, no. like, did you know? And I was like, I did not know. Um, okay, um, good to go whenever you guys are. Sorry. Okay. So the first question I have for you is just to ask um, why you decided to run. Oh, well, that's yeah. a great that's a great question. Um, I decided to run because over the course of many months, people had been approaching me and raising concerns about the ways things in our city are not getting better, mm-hmm. the way we're not really building transit, we're not addressing the affordable housing crisis that we see. Uh, public safety um, has become an acute issue in this city. And then, of course, seeing the tepid response of John Tory 
to the interference in our local democracy mm-hmm. by the provincial government, that was that was really a breaking point. That it became really clear: whoa, we're going to need stronger leadership than we ever have right. at the municipal level in this in this city. Okay, and you've actually worked for John Tory before, haven't you? I so have. Yeah. Did that experience influence the decision to run? Yeah, it did. So um, I was the chief city planner for five years, and two of those years were with Mr. Tory, mm-hmm. and um, it was really hard to get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons it was really hard to get things done is because um, there was a lot of kind of overanalyzing. Um, I'll give you a really great example. When we were working on the King Street pilot, um, the director of... Um, the director of the new director of transportation who came from Seattle, she arrived and I sat her down to like brief her on this really important project that's, uh, you know, the busiest surface transit route in the city mm-hmm. um, that's been just fraught for decades with challenges in terms of streetcar bunching and really slow service. Before the pilot, it was actually faster to walk along King Street oh, yeah. than, to, than to take transit. And I sat down and I was showing her, I was like, oh, we did this analysis and we did this and and she looked at it and she said to me, oh, my goodness, you've done more analysis for a pilot than we would have done for a real project in the Seattle context. Mm. And it was just, it sort of hit me like a brick because it feels like spinning, 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 spinning and not just getting it done. Okay. And that was, that was incredibly, that was incredibly frustrating and incredibly trying. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I've ever done in my life, I've just kind of rolled up my sleeves and gotten in there and gotten the job done. Um, I built a business from the ground up, um, working crazy hours and traveling all over this country, including when I had kids. And um, so I'm used to getting stuff done. I mm-hmm. don't have a lot of patience for spinning my wheels and being, um, you know, kind of stuck in that rut of people not being able to make a decision. And there was a lot of that. I see. Okay. And so in terms of getting things done, you've also been super vocal about standing up for Toronto against the provincial government. Um, but how are you going to get the goals that you need to achieve achieved while working with them, especially on your $5 billion transit plan? Well, um, so just as a point of clarity, it's not a $5 billion transit plan. There's $5 billion that the province of Ontario right. has indicated that they will allocate to the to the Scarborough subway. Mm-hmm. I have a much bigger transit plan that is a transit network plan okay. that is about building out transit in every corner of this city and advancing a whole variety of projects, transit projects at, at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of this approach we have right now, which is someone makes a promise and they and we debate about it for a bunch of years and then decide, like Smart Track, that it wasn't really a real thing after all. That's what City Council has decided. Uh, and then we've lost another four years. That has been going on for too long in the city. So I brought forward a real plan. It's a transit plan, a transit network plan. Um, but, you know, the the city is always in, in all levels of government, are always in this unique position of needing to um, be an advocate for the people who have elected them, which, you know, the, the residents of the city of Toronto, that's what local democracy is about, mm-hmm. um, and working with other levels of government to deliver those projects. Every major capital project in our country um, gets delivered with um, help from the provincial and the federal government. 
government. That's always been the case. That always will be the case. Uh, part of where I'm trying to hit the reset button is essentially saying, look, um, let's put real plans in place instead of just kind of, um, you know, a, a, a political platform that was meant to get someone elected but isn't really going to do anything to address the real issues that we have, um, whether that be on affordable housing, on transit, or on public safety, which is another absolutely critical issue. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, you know, taking a bit of a unique approach here because I'm not um, bringing forward really um, slogans, but real plans, real plans for the city. That's the basis of my. That's the basis of my campaign. Okay. Um. Are you making a, a specific push to reach out to young and new voters? Absolutely. In fact, just before walking in here, we were talking about the fact that um, we just found out that the advanced polling is not going to be in place for Thanksgiving weekend, which is a really important weekend for young Torontonians who've gone away to university and come back Thanksgiving weekend, and that would be an important weekend for them to vote in the election. Sure, that's why I'm going to vote in Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, this is a real... Mm-hmm. This is a real problem. The advanced polling is not going to be open in, in Toronto, and uh, it has an implication on, on young voters. Um, and I can tell you that I've been spending a lot of time with young people. I just met with the um, newspapers of all the colleges and universities here in, in the city. Oh, really? I uh, work for U of T's. Oh, do you? Well, the varsity was there. Yeah. Uh, we, we had a representative from the varsity there as well, mm-hmm. as, well as some of the other smaller, smaller co- colleges. Um, and that's about um, really tapping into young people because young people are really hopeful about Mm -hmm. this city and I'm inherently very hopeful about the city and optimistic. Um, I believe we can change our city with the right leadership and young people want, you know, it's pretty hard to engage in something if you don't believe you can make a change. And so I'm finding a lot of young people are showing up on this campaign, are very engaged because they want to see the city change. Mm -hmm. They're worried about having a future in the city and whether they they can afford housing, right? And they're worried about whether their dreams can mm-hmm. unfold in this city. Like I think, um, you know, young people should be dreamers, and they should be entrepreneurial, and they should believe that they can be aspirational in their city. And I can tell you, if young people start, um, as has been reported by the Board of Trade, if young people start saying forget it, Toronto doesn't have a future for me because I can't afford to live there because I don't want to have to buy a car and the transit isn't good enough mm-hmm. or because it's not safe enough, we have a serious problem on our hands as a city because young people are the lifeblood of a city. They make a, they make a city tick. Um, they're the future of the city. Uh, we want families to stay in this city. It's um, essential to a, having a dynamic city, but it's also really important to having a city where we can we can attract um, employment growth. Right. So you think that your housing policy and your transit policy will be most attractive to young voters? Yeah, I do. I <clears throat> I do. I think that. Um, I think that my housing policy will be uh, really attractive to young voters, and I'll tell you why. Um, one of the things I talked about at my campaign launch is that I have an 18-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> very young, and she's been coaching sports lately. And one day she came home and she said, you know, Mom, I really love coaching these kids. Like, it's so much fun 
coaching these kids. Like I wake up in the morning and I can't wait to get out and be with them all day and I feel energized when I'm with them. And then I said, well, Alex, maybe maybe you're going to be a teacher. Uh, my mom's a teacher and she looked at me. She gave me a long, hard stare and she said, Mom, I'll never be able to afford to live in Toronto if I'm a teacher. Mm. And I have to tell you, broke my heart. Mm-hmm. It was, she really broke my heart because that's an example of a young person, in this case my daughter, <laughs> uh, thinking that she can't fulfill her dream in this city. Mm-hmm. And that's a big shift in this city. Right. And it's about housing and providing affordable housing. And we, we, um, you know, we were building way more units 20 years ago, affordable units 20 years ago than we're building today. And that's mm-hmm. why we have this problem on our hands. We can solve that. We have city-owned lands, and we can unlock those lands to be delivering affordable housing for young people, for newcomers in the city, but also for seniors. We can do this. We can do this. Mm-hmm. We have all the expertise we need in this city. What's missing is the political will. That's the piece that's missing. In fact, John Tory has even called my plan too too ambitious. <laughs> Whereas you know, industry industry leaders are saying, "Look, you know, keys, Matt." You unlock the land, we'll make it happen. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be aspirational and why we shouldn't be uh, have a realistic plan uh, that's, that is about ensuring young people can live here. And same with transit. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of young people, and this links into affordability, they want to be able to live anywhere in the city. They want to be able to live in Scarborough or North York or Etobicoke and hop on transit to get to work every day. And that simply doesn't exist today. Today is a long commute. Mm-hmm. We can shorten commute times and provide a transit network that allows people to go everywhere to everywhere. We can do that. Again, it's just political will. Okay. Another issue that young people really care about is the environment, especially in the context of the measures the provincial government is doing to kind of uh, cut back the regulations. How would you, as mayor, address those issues that you have today? So this is just, it's difficult to overstate. Well, we were just talking about the weather before we began and Mm -hmm. the fact it's super muggy right now. We're about to get a major storm. Um, Weather has become very unpredictable. Uh Um, And there's a few different conversations here. One is about um, how do we adapt our city for climate change, knowing that the climate is changing. Mm -hmm. Um, But how do we also make the city more resilient? We need to do both of those things. We need to make it more resilient so that when, as the weather is changing that we can respond to that but we also need to adapt it and a really big thing we need to adapt to is more water like we are getting more water in our city that's why we've had problems with flooding again and again Again, the good news is that we can design the city differently, and New York's a great example. After Hurricane Sandy, New York, um, as a result of funding from the Environmental Protection Agency, built out over 2,000 swales that, in the heart of the city, they look like just kind of green spaces, but in reality, below them, there's like six feet of infrastructure that's all about absorbing the water at key locations. Um, We can do this, too. And it's way more 
more expensive to give rebate programs and to pay people when their basements flood than it is to put the infrastructure in place and also think about all the heartache mm-hmm. for people and the stress of flooding. We have to be we have to have a plan in place and get out in front of this. Okay. And as mayor I'll do that. Right. But what about putting policies in place to reduce climate change going forward? Do you have any plans for that? I know in Montreal they've been talking about getting rid of plastic bags and there's other powers that the mayor has um, for the future, do you have any ideas like that? Oh yeah, there's a ton of th- there's a ton of things that we can do, and we do have a plan, Transform TO, that mm-hmm. has been passed by council, but surprise, but surprise, isn't funded. Right. So we need to take that plan, and we need to, and we need to fund it. There's a whole variety of things that we can do. We haven't really um, scratched the surface, I would argue. Um, for example, um, we have um, a great. Um, green roof bylaw that I administered. So we now have more green roofs in the city. I administered it as chief planner. Mm -hmm. We have more um, green roofs than any other city in the world. But there's no reason why those green roofs couldn't also be about food production. Okay. So they're about bringing the temperature down in cities. They're about absorbing water in cities. They're about improving air quality in cities. But let's make them about food production too. Let's start producing more food. And uh, Ryerson's actually doing this. Ryerson has a phenomenal green roof that is feeding the cafeteria below. Mm-hmm. This is an untapped opportunity with some municipal leadership. We could be doing this across the whole city. Okay, that sounds really cool. Um, I just have two more questions. Um, first off, um, it's pretty straightforward. Why should young people trust you? Most of the time when young people vote, they turn around four years later and nothing that they hoped would happen has actually happened. What about you is different? So the first thing I'll say, those two things I'll say, but the first thing I'll say is that um, young people should come join me. Um, Don't just trust me. Come join me. Come be a part of this city. Own this city. Be a part of your democracy. And I'm committed as mayor. I'm not. I, I'm actually not saying trust me. I'm saying come be a part of the future of this city. And my commitment to you, just like I did as chief planner, I will create where I created a youth engagement strategy, and it was all about how do we get youth engaged, and we are implementing that strategy. Um, I'm actually saying, you know what? Um, we we need you at the table. We need you to be a part of the future of your city. I'm committed to that I've always been very collaborative in my mm-hmm. planning practice and how I've approached my work for a very simple reason. I think that's how the, that's how the best work gets done. Mm-hmm. Uh, very different from a politician who says, trust me, I'm going to make a bunch of promises and then I'm going to go implement them. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying, please come be a part of the future of your city. And right now we're at a moment where the provincial government is trying to break the link between the citizens and the city. Mm-hmm. And what I want to do is protect and enhance that link. And the best way to do that is to have young people come be a part of making their city. And, uh, you know, I think to me that's the most hopeful thing about democracy and maybe about what's happening right now is that I'm hoping young people will just grab on to their city and become a part of their city and say, yeah, I want to shape the future. And I have ideas. I have passion about whether it's green issues or transit or housing, and I want to be a part of it. Um, You know, the best things that happen in this city happen because of the energy of the people who live here. And we need to find a way to bring that back. I think a lot of people, to your point, they feel like government is something that's happening over here and it's Mm -hmm. happening at them and they're going... 
this it doesn't fit. This doesn't align with what I believe about the city. And I think we need to we need to bring it back. And we need to say, come on, be a part of this. You can shape the future. Young people need to know that that's true because it is true. Okay. Um, last question. Super straightforward. Um, <laughs> you said that before every question. <laughs> well, they are. Um, why do municipal politics matter? Why should people come out and vote in October? You know, when we conducted our research for the youth engagement strategy at the city, we hired um, youth to go out and to consult with other youth. And the number one thing that we heard as to why youth don't participate is because they didn't see the relevance. Like, they were like, I don't know. So um, I'm able to, when I talk to young people one-on-one, I'll tell you it takes about 20 seconds to get them to go, oh, wow, that matters. And I'll say this, does affordable housing matter? Yes. Does transit matter? Yes. Do jobs matter? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, your municipal government plays a profound role in ensuring there's jobs, in delivering affordable housing, in delivering transit. So if you care about those things, come be a part of your municipality. Come come be a part of your city. Wow, that's great. That's everything. <laughs> thank you so much. My pleasure. Great to chat with you. Yeah, thank you. All right. That was our interview with Jennifer Keysmat. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, we won't be doing our regular spiel of figuring out who we're going to vote for mm-hmm. because this municipal uh, this municipal mini season is so uh, is so odd and unlike any of the other kind of political commentary we've done or yeah. will do. Um, so uh, we hope you liked the interview. Um, send us your thoughts. You can reach out to us on Instagram at Undecided Podcast, on Twitter at Undecided underscore pod, on Facebook.com slash Undecided Pod. And then, as always, you can make a small monthly contribution to the podcast at Patreon.com slash Undecided Pod become our patron it just seems so like ancient greece like creepy like or the word patron to me i don't know <laughs> oh yeah oh interesting do you not have that association become our fan yeah <laughs> no i totally don't but i patron just seems like a like like a sugar daddy kind of that's weird <laughs> don't put this in <laughs> i'm keeping this <laughs> Um, Thank you to the Keys My Team for helping us and giving us space to record. Um, Everyone was very nice. Uh, I drank some nice water. Nice water, Nice eh? water, dude, Dude, yeah. Sick. Um, So thank you. Yeah, we'll see you next week. That's it for us this week on Undecided, coming to you not live from beside my bed, uh, on the floor, Mm -hmm. and uh, with some booze. (laughs) See you next week. Adios. Okay, don't put in the adios. That was not appropriate. (laughs) 